Good morning, everyone. I hope everyone's doing well today. It's good to see you guys. Like I said earlier, if you're our guest today worshiping with us, welcome. My name's Ryan. I'm the pastor here at Anchor Church, and I'm just, I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord today. So um, we uh, are continuing this morning in our series, uh, Romans, a letter from the Apostle Paul, and um, in the, the spirit of one of our core values of being learners, like learning and being students of the Word of God, we have been walking walking verse by verse through the book of Romans to understand what it means. And we've been doing this for um, a little over a year. So uh, no joke, we've been walking verse by verse through, through Romans for, uh, it's, it's been over a year now. So uh, it's, it's awesome learning lots uh, from what the Apostle Paul has been teaching us about the Christian faith and the, just the foundation of our Christian faith. And today we are continuing in that series. Uh, and the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is The Transformed Life. The Transformed Life. And we are going to be going over Romans chapter 12 today. But before I dive into that, um, I wanted to share with you a thought I had as I was, uh, as I was praying and putting this, this message together. Um, I was thinking like, man, it feels like our culture today is like obsessed with transformation. And what I mean is like, if you think about it, there are dozens upon dozens of TV shows that like center around something or someone being transformed, right? Um, on Netflix, there's a show that, that my kids actually really love. It's called Is It Cake? Where bakers take ordinary cake and they turn it into these amazing creations that look like everyday objects in life, bowling balls and shoes and briefcase. It's crazy. They transform just regular cake into these like pieces of art. It's, it's awesome. Uh, when I was in high school, there's a TV show that was really popular with the kids that uh, um, I loved watching. Now, forgive the name, okay? This is the real name. It's called Pimp My Ride. And um, um, this show was, was all about like one lucky person would win a makeover, total makeover for their car. And it was cool to watch like a car go from a piece of junk to looking like brand new over the course of 30 minute show. It was, it was awesome. Transforming a car, right? Uh, there's another TV show that Robin and I used to watch a lot called The Biggest Loser. And I actually thought at one point, like, I think I'm probably going to end up on that show. Um, <laughs> the Biggest Loser, if you don't know what The Biggest Loser is, it's a show where overweight and obese people, they compete to lose the most amount of weight. And in like a 12 to 15 week span. And some people have lost even like up to 150 pounds in like 15 weeks. It's crazy. Um, but again, the transformation, incredible transformations on, on uh, TikTok, There's a guy, um, his content is he's, he owns his own lawn care business, but his content is he goes to these, he goes to houses that have like really bad lawn care needs and he he offers his services for free and he turns these these um, overgrown urban jungles into like beautiful landscapes that homeowners can be proud of and he does it for free just to see the transformation that he does is amazing there's something truly inspiring about witnessing or experiencing transformation and perhaps you've been there too you've seen somebody go through some kind of transformation and it motivates you like man I want to make some changes too. I, I think we've all probably been there. But funny enough, 
There are many, many Christians who don't understand that we're supposed to be spiritually transformed as well. We are not supposed to stay who we are. When, when we encounter Jesus and his love and we encounter the spirit of God, we're supposed to be transformed from the inside out. And this spiritual transformation is supposed to change every behavior we have. But, but many people segment their belief in God from the rest of their life when their belief in God is supposed to inform the rest of their life. Many Christians operate this way. They, they don't understand the idea of spiritual transformation. Today, I want to look at what the scriptures have to tell us about transforming our lives, what it, what it looks like. Um, but before I dive into the scriptures, let's pray this morning. Pray with me. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God, that you sent your Holy Spirit to empower us, and you, you want us to look more and more like you, and you've empowered us through your Spirit to be transformed into the likeness of your Son. Thank you. God, I pray today as, as we hear your word that um, we would be transformed by it from the inside out. We need you, God. We look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. If you have a Bible, you can open it up. Turn it on to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to read the entire chapter today. Now, that sounds really long. It's 21 verses. It's not super long, um, but it's really meaty. And the reason I'm doing 21 verses, I want to keep it all in, uh, together because it's all one thought. Chapter 12 is all one thought, and I, wanna, I want us to, to understand the full thought. So Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Apostle Paul uses very strong language here. I plead with you. I'm pleading with you. Give your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. I beg you. Why is he pleading? Why is he begging? Because it's so very important that we understand this idea. It's so important. To this point in Romans, we've, we've heard much about God's redemption and justification and salvation and mercy and the love of God and sanctification and the purpose of the law and all. We've heard all of that. And now Paul's saying, now that you know all that, I'm begging you, give your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. The, that's your true worship. That's the kind of worship that he finds acceptable. That's holy and pleasing and perfect. That's good and pleasing and perfect. Do that. And verse 12 is, is, is one of my favorite verses. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be transformed. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. The, the message version says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I'm there. That's, that's me. There are some areas where I've become so well adjusted to the culture that I live in that I'm a part of it and I don't even have to think about it. That is a sobering thing for me to think about. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. It's an incredible teaching. It's an incredible teaching because the behaviors and customs of this world are rooted in everything except God. They're rooted in everything except God's word. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And then he says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. He didn't say, let God change you into a new person by changing your behaviors. It starts with your, your thoughts. It starts with the, the things that you think about, the things that you dwell on, the way you think about God, the way you think about yourself. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. If you've ever struggled in your faith journey, if, if you've ever thought to yourself, man, I'm not who God called me to be. If you struggle with that, I'm willing to bet you haven't let him change your, your mind completely. You haven't let him change the way you think completely. When I struggle with, with my faith, when I struggle in my journey, it always goes back to that. What am I thinking about? What am I dwelling on? Am I allowing God to renew my mind through the power of the Holy Spirit? Verse three, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. This is a warning to all Christ followers. All Christ followers. Don't think you're better than you are. It's a, it's a warning against boasting. It's a warning against conceit. Because when we do the will of God, we are easy prey to arrogance. When, when we, as the children of God, are walking in the will of God, we become easy prey to arrogance and, and a feeling of superiority. Don't think of yourselves as better than anyone else. Honestly evaluate yourself is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If, you, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the, leader, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. If you didn't notice, wrapped up in that, he names four of, the, four of our five core values here in the first 12 verses. Let God transform you. That's growing. Give generously. Giving, obviously. If you have a gift of showing, for showing kindness, do it gladly. That's reflecting God to the world. Serve them well. Serving. These values that, that we have here at Anchor, uh, growing, learning, giving, uh, reflecting, serving, they're not just like nice sounding values that I thought would look good on, like, on a banner or like on the wall one day. Like these are biblical values that help us become more like Jesus when we're growing intentionally, when we're learning, to you know, being students of the word of God, when we're giving and reflecting God to the word, and when we're serving, it helps us become more like Christ. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who perk. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. 
Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. And this goes back to the, the boasting and the conceit that the Apostle Paul was talking about earlier. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. And there's our fifth, our fifth value. Don't think you know it all. Be, be a student of the word. Be a student of your faith. Be a student of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what a disciple is. It's a student. Learning. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Don't let evil conquer you. Retaliation means that you've been conquered both by your enemy and by your old sinful nature. When you retaliate, when someone does wrong to you and you retaliate by doing wrong, you lose twice. You have been conquered by your enemy and you have been conquered by your old nature. And Paul's saying, don't do that. When someone does bad to you, do good to them. Because that's what Jesus would do, right? So Romans 1 uh, chapter 1 through chapter 11, Paul is teaching doctrine of Christian faith, right? Human sin and wickedness, justification through the cross, salvation and mercy, the love of God. He's teaching all these foundational doctrinal truths, right, to, to what it means to be a Christ follower. And then starting in verse 12, or chapter 12, he begins a new section and a new purpose to his letter, practical application, Practical application. So now you have all this doctrine. This is how to practically apply it to your life. That's what's starting now in chapter 12. He spent the first 11 chapters teaching the fundamental core beliefs, and now he's trying to help us understand what it looks like to live out these fundamental core biblical beliefs. Chapter 12 is about our lives being transformed. As Christ followers, we're supposed to be changed from the inside out. We're, it, it's supposed to be that way and we're supposed to be continually changing and being transformed into the likeness of Jesus this is God's desire for us but what does it actually look like for our lives to be transformed that's that's kind of what I want to talk about today what does it look like this is an incredibly apt question to ask and it's one that that we need to ask ourselves every day what does it look like for a life to be transformed by the power of God. What does a transformed life look like? The first thing it looks like. It looks like a life of service. It's a life of service to others. Romans chapter 12 verses 3 through 8 kind of, kind of go through that. I'm not going to read all of those verses, um, but that section is about serving others. And, and Paul makes it clear that a life that has been offered as a living sacrifice to God is a life that ends up serving other people. Paul makes it clear and I'm not talking about like serving people through your job because you get paid to do that, right? Like I'm not, I'm not talking about like your nine to five. Yeah, I serve people nine to five and then I'm good the rest of the time, the rest of the week, right? No, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Paul's talking about. I'm not talking about 
coming here and serving, you know, at church, even though that's, that's valuable, right? It's, it's val- I'm talking about every moment of every day is viewed through the lens of service. Every moment of every day is viewed through the, through, the, through the lens of service. Jesus, speaking about himself, said this. He said, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve. The whole reason Jesus is here is to serve people and to die for our sins. All the time, Jesus' entire life was about serving. And our lives, as an offering to God, should look just like that. A life of service. Now, I think a great example of this is my wife, uh, Robin. I didn't, I didn't tell her that I was going to do this, so love you, babe. Um, but I think, she's, I think she's a great example of this. Um, every opportunity that she gets, she is serving someone somewhere. And it, it's not always for other people to see. She never posts about it on Facebook or Instagram. She just does it because she loves people. She loves the Lord. Uh, we just had a conversation this week about how um, in her job, she's gaining favor with her superiors because she doesn't just see her job as a job. She sees it as an opportunity to serve. And when everyone else is like complaining about pitching an extra to help out the team, she goes to her boss and searches out opportunities. How can I help? What can I do extra? What do you need from me? And her boss texts her this week and said, hey, I really appreciate you. You know, like that's, that's a small thing, but it's a big thing. And it's because she takes the position of being a servant. Her life is about serving, but not just at work. When our kids are sick, she serves me by joyfully staying home so that I can come here and minister. And every opportunity she gets, she serves. There's a, a coworker that she has that is um, pregnant as well. And um, she uh, is, is, this coworker of Robin's is getting ready to um, like put together the baby's nursery. And Robin just offered to help. No, no payment, like asked for, no like payback, nothing like that. No compensation. Robin just said, I'll help you. And this girl was almost in tears because she couldn't believe like Robin is willing to serve in that way for nothing. Like, Robin's life is a life of service. Every opportunity she gets, she's serving somebody. Now, you may be sitting there right now wondering, like, am I a servant? Do I have a servant's heart? Am I like Jesus in that way? Ultimately, that's between you and God. Like, that's, that's a question for you and God to answer for, for you. Um, but there are some clues that can help, help us know whether or not we we live a life of, of serving others. Here, here are some of those clues. Here, um, here's one. When, you ask, when someone asks for your help, is your first inclination to figure out how you can help them? Or is your first inclination to figure out how you can get out of helping them? <laughs> That's a clue. <laughs> That's a clue. Your answer to that question is a big clue on whether or not your life is about serving. Here's another clue or another question you can ask. Do you truly listen when someone talks or are you waiting for them to finish talking so you can then speak? There's another clue. Whatever your answer to that question is, is a clue as to whether or not your, your life is about serving. Here's another question. Do you jockey for position to get ahead or do you put others and their needs before yours? It's another clue. Um, that the answer to that question is another clue as to whether or not your life is a life of serving others. There's a, a, another, there's a quote that I heard one time that I think is a really huge clue that, that 
reveals if my life is about serving others or not. Here's the quote. It says, the true test of a servant is how you respond when treated like one. The true test of a servant is how you respond when you're treated like one. Someone treats you like you're, like you're their servant. Do you respond in helpfulness and willingness, readiness to, to jump to action, or do you respond with bitterness, anger, entitlement? That's a clue as to whether or not your life is a life of serving others. So transform, that's the first one. A transformed life is a life of serving others. What else does a transformed life look like? A transformed life, it's a life of godly character. It's a life of godly character. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13 kind of cover this one. Again, I'm not going to read those verses. You can go back and read them, but that's the portion that covers that. A transformed life is a life of godly character. I mentioned our our core values earlier, and and this section of Romans 12, this verses 9 through 13, is all about reflecting God by having character like him. Paul begins by, by talking about love. It's the highest virtue a Christ follower can have is, is loving people like Christ. We're all to do good, but our love is to, is to be especially seen in the church. Love is to be without hypocrisy. It's to be without uh, strings. We do not help others so people will be impressed with us. We don't help others so we can then sell more of whatever product we're selling, right? We, we, we're, not trying to, we're not trying to like further our agenda. We, we help others. We love others because that's what a, a renewed mind does. That's what a transformed life does. It's a life of, of loving people. We have a, an incredible example of a, a life of godly character here in Milford. Some of you may know this lady. Uh, probably most of you don't. Uh, but I, I would say that uh, a lady named Martha Gary is an is a incredible example of godly character. Now, um, she, Martha Gary is not an elected official. She's not a pastor or church leader, nothing like that. Martha works in project management, but she is an incredible example of godly character because she, she's a Christ follower and she has been burdened for the homeless in our community. Burdened so much that she started, she created an organization to care for the homeless people in our community. Nobody asked her to do it. Nobody's paying her. She actually pays money to do this because they don't have funding right now to take care. There's 50, about 50 or so homeless people in our community, and, and Martha created an organization to take care of these homeless people. She, she created an organization that set up showers daily for these homeless people to be able to to, to have so they can go to jobs. She created this organization that set up uh, the opportunity to have hot meals. She created this organization that, that um, arranges for these homeless people to have their, their laundry done on a daily basis. Again, nobody's paying her. Nobody asked her to do this. She's burdened because she's witnessed firsthand in a, a family member of hers like go through homelessness and she has godly character and she knows God's heart is for the lost, the forgotten, the broken, the vulnerable. And she said, I'm not gonna stand by and just let this happen. I'm gonna do something about it because a transformed life is a life of godly character. Martha's a, 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 cool, a cool lady that I'm getting to know a little bit better. I'm getting to know what she does uh, with the Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. And, and I just really, I really appreciate that because it, it is. It's out of a heart for God. It's out of a love for, for Christ and a love for his people. 
she, she's been transformed and she lives a life of godly character. Now, she would never say this about herself, but like, like Jesus said, like you can tell a tree by the fruit it produces and the fruit she's producing is selfless. So what does a transformed life look like? It looks like a life of serving others. A transformed life also looks like a life of godly character. The last thing I want to talk about today is this. Uh, a transformed life is a life which maintains good relationships with others. A life which maintains good relationships with others. Romans chapter 12 verses 14 through 21 kind of cover that. Again, I'm not going to read those to you. You can go back uh, and read that yourself. But, but those verses kind of cover this, this thought. A transformed life is a life which maintains good relationships with others. The, le- the transformed life is a life that blesses, doesn't curse. It blesses those who persecute you. It blesses those who, who, who curse you. It's not, it's not a life that curses like, like voodoo curses people. It's not a life that curses like other pagan religions, r- religions do. It, it's a life that blesses people no matter what. I understand how tough that is because you do good to those who do evil to you. That's a hard thing. That's a hard truth to wrap your head around. But but this idea of maintaining good relationships with, with, with others and, and blessing those who curse you and blessing those who curse, persecute you, it's not something we can do under our own power. We have to be empowered by the Spirit of God every single day to be able to live a life like that. We have to be transformed by the Spirit of God to be able to maintain good relationships with others. And this doesn't mean maintain good relationships with those whom you get along with. It doesn't mean maintain good relationships with those um, who agree with your ideology. It doesn't mean maintain good relationships with those who align with your politics. It's not what it means. It means even when you have nothing that you can agree on, maintain good relationships with those people. Even when you have no common ground, maintain a good relationship. I'm not saying you have to be best friends, but, but you can have a good relationship with somebody, even if you disagree with them. You know, it's, um, it's not ramped up right now, but politics in our country is so polarizing. It's so polarizing. And uh, even amongst the body of Christ, it's, it's polarizing. And when I was a campus pastor uh, at our church in Nebraska, I had an interesting conversation one day with uh, a lady from our church. Um, her name is Joan Allen, and Joan is an amazing lady. Joan is about 80 years old, and um, she is a retired cartoonist for a newspaper, and she is devoted to the Lord. She loves him with all her heart, and she is staunchly Republican in her politics. And I feel comfortable saying that because if she was standing here today, she would tell you the same exact thing. She would be proud about it. She is staunchly Republican in her politics. And I was over at her house one day. Uh, we, we were just sitting on her front porch and um, we were just talking and, and that kind of thing. And, and she started complaining about some her next door neighbors who were staunchly Democrat in their politics. And um, she was complaining and, you know, I don't understand. I just let her go. I don't understand how they can believe this stuff and blah, 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 all that. You know, they're flying the flags and all that, like the crazy stuff, like really, like both sides are crazy. So 
don't, don't. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> I'm just going to stop right there with that. Anyway, she's complaining about these neighbors, and um, I don't understand how this and that and blah, 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 and, and she goes, I think they might be Christian, too, because of some of the things they talk about, but then she said this, and I remember, like, I'll probably never forget this just because how jarring it was to hear it. She, she goes, but they can't be Christians because they're Democrats. You can't be a Democrat and be a Christian at the same time. And I mean, she, and she was dead serious. She wasn't joking. She was dead serious. And, and I saw that this is a discipleship moment. This is a discipleship moment for me with her. Now she's like, she's old enough to be my grandmother, but it was a moment for me to be her pastor and kind of help her in this area of maintaining good relationships with, with everyone. And I, I looked at her and I said, Joan, this is a true story. Like, this is 100% true. I'm not making this up. I looked at her and I said, Joan, you know, I've heard the same exact thing from the other side. I've heard people say that if Jesus was living in America today, he'd vote blue. It, I, that it, it's impossible to be a Christian, to be a Republican at the same time. I'm telling her that I've heard these things with my own ears and she, she's floored. She can't understand, are you serious? Like, like she's so surprised. And so having this, this back and forth and, and we're just, we're, we're really like wrestling this idea, right? Like she's not arguing. She, like we're, we're reasoning together. And she, she's really trying to be uh, a student, a disciple. And she's really trying to learn. And, um, and um, it was a cool conversation uh, that ended with like, like instead of her doubling down and, and like really like digging in, she really she really took like what I said seriously and, and it was cool to see her extend an olive branch to her neighbors in the, the, the coming weeks and, and really try to um, communicate love for them despite despite the difference in their ideologies, despite the difference in their, their politics. It was really cool to see her extend that olive branch, and, and she, she brought them a plate of cookies, you know, like it, and that was like a big deal for her. And um, it, was, it was amazing to see her try to maintain good relationships with people that the world tells her that she should be at odds with. It was so cool. It was, it was so cool to see and that's what a transformed life should look like. A transformed life should look like a life that maintains good relationships with everybody. Again, not that you have to be best friends, but just have good relationships with others. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says this, work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. In other words, a life transformed by the Spirit of God is a life that maintains good relationships with other people. So what does a transformed life look like? It's a life of serving others. It's a life of godly character. It's a life that maintains good relationships with other people. Worship team, you can come to the platform this morning. This is God's plan for us, is to be transformed through the power of his Holy Spirit by the renewing of our minds. That's God's plan for us. This is how we are sanctified to be more like him. And this doesn't happen by accident. This, this transformation doesn't happen just over a certain amount of time. It takes intentionality. God will never independently do this like without your permission and your effort. 
It takes intentionality and it takes um, purpose and it takes effort on, on our parts. This is another reason spiritual disciplines are so important. Prayer, worship, reading the word, uh, fellowship. These are our attitudes, behaviors that help us become more like Christ, that the, that the Holy Spirit uses to transform our minds. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. This is your true act of worship. And this is God's good and pleasing and perfect will for you and for me. Let, let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that, that you've called us to a higher standard. You love us just as we are, but you love us enough, enough not to leave us there. Thank you, God. Thank you that you want us to be more like your son. And thank you that you empower us to do that through your Holy Spirit. I pray today, God, for anyone who might be struggling in this area of, of, of living a transformed life or, or allowing you to transform their life, I pray, God, that that you would be the help that they need today. You would be the help that I need. God, I pray that we would let you transform us by renewing our minds, by changing the way we think today. God, we want to be more like you, and we just ask for your favor. We ask for your blessing. We ask for you to teach us. Teach us how to be more like you. We love you, God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you're here today and, and this transformed life thing maybe doesn't make full sense, um, that might be because you haven't fully submitted to Christ yet. Maybe you're here today and you don't, you don't have a relationship with God, or maybe at the very least, you don't know if you have a relationship with him. Well, today can be the day where everything changes for you. Today can be the day where you, you leave your old life behind, you leave your old self behind, and you say yes to God and the future that he has for you. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Ryan, I don't know Christ, but I want to. I don't have a relationship with him, but I want to. At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. There's nothing magical about raising your hand. There's nothing uh, nothing other than I just want to identify who I'm praying with. So um, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to make this a, a personal moment. I don't want to single anyone out. I don't want to make anyone feel embarrassed or anything like that. With heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, you say, Pastor Ryan... I need to submit my life to Christ. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. One, God loves you so, so much. Two, he's waiting for you to run home to him. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand, raise it high so that I can pray with you this morning. here's what I want to do. I want, I want to lead us in a prayer this morning for those who raised their hand, or maybe, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you, you think, man, maybe I should have. I want to lead us all in a prayer. I want to ask everyone in the house to repeat after me so that nobody feels singled out. Nobody feels like I'm picking on them. So um, everyone in the house, repeat after me. Say, Father God, today I recognize that I need you. I need you to transform my mind. 
through the power of your Holy Spirit. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that God raised you from the dead and I'm putting my faith and trust in you. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today? Man, if you, if you did pray that prayer to receive Christ, to, to start a new life with Christ, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. I believe it's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. I truly, truly believe it. Man, and, and if you did pray that prayer, we, we don't want you to get started alone. We, we want to put resources in your hands. The welcome team has, has resources at the table um, that they want to put in your hands, Bible, uh, devotional, that kind of thing, like to, to kind of get you started off on the right foot, to, to kind of help you kick off those spiritual disciplines of prayer, worship, the word. Uh, yeah, we, we can't do this thing alone. We can't, we can't do this faith journey alone. We need each other. We need each other. So this is what I want to do right now. The worship team is going to lead us in a response time. And what this is, it's just a time for you to respond to the Spirit of God in this moment. If, if you need to pray, I want to encourage you to pray. If you want to sing with the worship team, you can sing. If you need to sit and just kind of meditate on what you heard, do that. You want to stand, you can stand. If you want to kind of walk around, you can do that. However you need to respond this morning, let's not rush through this moment. Let's take a few minutes. It's just going to be a few minutes. Let's take a few minutes and respond this morning. So stand with me if you'd like. The worship team is going to lead us this morning. God, renew our minds. Transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. Renew our minds. Renew our minds. Teach us how to serve like you. Teach us how to live like you. Teach us how to love like you, God. Renew our minds. Renew our minds. Really quickly before we're dismissed, uh, if a few next steps, some, some tangible things for us to take the message and apply it to our lives this week. The first next step is this. Each day this week, I will pray and ask God to renew my mind. That's one of, that's one of the moments that I will always remember from um, one of my mentors. I heard, him, I heard him tell a story one time about how he was on vacation. He was sitting on the beach far away from where his, his pastoral job was. He's on vacation. And, and he said that he was just constantly whispering to God, renew my mind, renew my mind, renew my mind. He could have been sleeping. He could have been doing other. He's praying, God, renew my mind. So each day this week, I will pray and ask God to renew my mind. The second next step is this week I will memorize Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's a life-changing, life-changing principle there. That's why I want us to memorize it. The, the third next step is this week I'll invite someone to join me at church. I believe that God has amazing things he wants to do here. He wants to do in this church, through this church. And I believe that he wants people to experience his presence powerfully here. 
the best way to get people to, 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 to come is to invite them personally. So I want to challenge you this week. Invite someone to church with you. Maybe um, offer to buy them lunch or something. Bribing works sometimes. I've done it. I'm not above that. So um, really quickly, let me say one last prayer, and then we can be dismissed. God, thank you. Thank you so much for transformation. We look to you, God. We want you. We want to be like you. And finally, may you believe the transforming power of the Holy Spirit as you allow God to renew your mind. May you live a life of service to others. May you live a life of godly character. And may you maintain good relationships with others in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.